98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. 23 years in the National Football League, and I can tell you this. There is nobody that I admire and respect more than Lorenzo Alexander. Guys, he's like a lunch bell guy. That blue collar pills are coming to work. He's going to outwork you every single play. 15 year NFL veteran Lorenzo Alexander joins Wolf and Luke to give us the lowdown on the Cardinals and the NFL. Zoe is here in studio. Lorenzo Alexander joining us for the next hour. It's the lowdown. This is how you know it's football season. You tune in on Thursday. Zoe is here for an hour with us. Wolf is also here, but like he's kind of here. He's in Tennessee. Zoe, you're going to see this is the weirdest experience. You're just going to hear Wolf everywhere in the studio, even though he's not here. <laughs> it's probably similar to what it was during COVID when I was in studio, but not really in studio. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, so very similar, but different. You know, yeah. Wolf has a different personality, and, and you know, so it's different. But it's still good. It just feels so, like he's so. like in the ceiling watching us. My guy, what's up? What's up, man? How we doing? I'm doing great. You know, I'm, I just got me a little quick nine in over at Palo Verde, a little golf, <laughs> swinging the sticks, you know, living that retired life. Why them boys out there getting ready for football games and fighting each other on, you know, on the field. I'm, I'm just chilling, you know, getting my game right, you know, trying to get on the par one of these days. Could you still play, my brother? Could you no, still I play could right now? <laughs> Let's keep it real. All I, t- I tell people this, my only goal in life life now is for people to look at me and say and ask me that question, right? Because some people, you're not going to ever ask that, right? You look at him like, man, he didn't really play. How did you ever play? Right. Yeah. What? You played what position? Hey, Zoe. Zoe, I got that while I was playing. <laughs> no, Wolf. I, I've, seen hey, pictures of you. I've seen pictures of you. You, man, you was I'm rocked up you. now. Hey, listen, it's one of the reasons it's one of the reasons why they love me in Cleveland because every guy thought I could be sitting next to him at the local bar having a beer with him. So. <laughs> nice. So what you just said, we need to we need to get you that audio so you can play it for people when they ask you if you want to come back, where you just said, yeah, I just I just went golfing while everybody else is fighting each other in the heat right. at training camp right now. <laughs> uh, all right, you're the perfect guy to talk to today because the Cardinals not only traded for Cody Ford, it seems like Cody Ford may be playing in week one, like maybe starting. We don't know what, entirely what's up with Justin Pugh. Right. But that aside, you played with Cody Ford. Yeah. his rookie year in Buffalo. So what can you tell us about him? Yeah, that seems so long ago, but it was only a few years ago, back in 2019. And I remember when we drafted him and, you know, texting him and reaching out. And uh, a, a good young man, uh, solid head on his shoulders, focused. And so every time I was around him, he was a grinder, uh, putting that work in, uh, making sure that he's paying attention to detail, just soaking it all up. He's not a huge talker, but uh, he has a lot of attitude to him. I think when, when, we, when we first got him in the, in the trade, I texted you, I said, he's a mauler, mm-hmm. right? Um, as far as attitude and mauling and, and having that moxie that you want your offensive line to have and your team to have, he'll he'll bring a lot of that to the team. Um, and then he has some versatility. He was able to put him at tackle at times, obviously slide him in at guard. I think that's his home. He is a true guard. He doesn't like to necessarily be out too much in space on the ends. But uh, uh, really solid, um, I think, high-character football player that can go out there and, and help this team win games. 
You know what's amazing about that, Zoe? I, I listened to what you just said right there about him, and man, I, I looked at him yesterday, and he looks so rock solid good. He is thick oh, from yeah. the waist down, man. He is thick, and he carries this reputation of being a mauler, that attitude you speak of right there, being a good teammate as well, and yet he was acquired for a fifth-round pick. I, I, I mean, did, did, they, did the Cardinals get a steal? Um, but Potentially. I mean, he's a good football player. He's going to add to you. So whatever you want to value with a fifth rounder, fifth rounder a lot of times is a hit or miss type of guy. I think Cody can bring a lot of value, uh, whether he's starting or playing that backup role. Um, he's going to have – he's going to be impactful this season. He's going to be used and going to make a difference for this football team. And, and when you're talking about right now, I would say, yeah, they got him for a great price. Um what I think he has to, and I think do this. So people say, why did Buffalo give him away? You know, Zoe's talking highly of him. Buffalo's done an excellent job of drafting and bringing in talent and having depth. And Brandon Bean are, are all about trying to find value where they can get guys similar to what we're talking about with Andy and Isabella, right? Showcase him, then trade him, and maybe get XYZ for him, right? Because right. we don't want to just give him away because I don't know if they saw Cody in the future with the Bills. But think about Wyatt Teller. I don't know if anybody knows that name, right? All pro guard for the Cleveland Browns. He was once upon a time a Buffalo Bill, too, and uh, he got traded, and now he's an all pro, right? And so don't 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 hesitate if you're a fan out there like, man, why they give him up? Right. He must not be that good. No, sometimes you need to change the scenery, you need a different environment, or you just need to get a, be, have that opportunity to be with a new guy to, to really allow yourself to really thrive. And so if Cody has to work on one thing, I think it's going to be like his pass blocking. But I think with, obviously, Kyle being as mobile as he is, that obviously kind of helps him in, in that way as well. Hey, on that note right there, man, I saw him go one-on-one against Jeffrey Simmons. Okay. You know, Jeffrey Simmons. Oh, yeah, my yeah, goodness. Yeah. So, abandon all hope, ye who enter here. <laughs> that is one good three technique right there. I, I don't know how... Do you? I, I think he might be the best three technique in the NFL. I, I don't know what your take is on that, but I saw him go one-on-one and shut him down nice. on a bull. Right. Shut him down. And so, sit it down and shut him down. Yeah, so bulls give him no issue. No issue. And he, like I said, he's a maul. He wants you to run through him. So if you do that all day, he's going to eat you up and spit you out and then talk trash to your face. Well, he struggles a little bit, right? They talked about some lateral movement. And it's not necessarily pulling and getting out on blocks. I think he right. does that well. It's more about lateral shift when you're playing against a, more of a quicker guard, more handsy. T- I mean, a quicker tackle, more handsy defensive tackles that are going to use a little bit more technique, work the edge, work inside, outside, maybe hit you with a spin move. How do you recover then? And so um, it's not like I watched every single snap as he did last year, but from when I was there, those are, that was probably his weakest part of his game, which has probably gotten incrementally better, but needs to continue to focus on that because him, his run blocking was, you know, grade A. This was uh, Brandon Bean, his explanation on, on why the Bills traded Ford in the first place. Putting it all together, it just ultimately, you know, my heart of hearts, I wanted Cody to, you know, come in here and, and have his best year into his fourth year and make it make a decision to whether we were going to re-sign him or not. But um, I think it just circumstances, you know, Cody really wants to start and and felt that's that's what he, he deserved. And, and for us, versatility is very important. Um, you know, and as we pare this down, it just ultimately made the most sense for the Bills and for Cody. 
You know, Zoe, like you said, too, I mean, you, you gave up a fifth-round pick. That's that's basically a lottery ticket to a certain extent anyway. And you got a guy that was just a second-round pick just three years ago that doesn't mean he's bad because Buffalo traded him. He probably hasn't reached his potential. Like, if you're the Cardinals, you're hoping he still has another level to hit. But he didn't really risk anything. And you might need him right out of the gate, too, with Pew. Yeah. Uh, and, and like I said, he's going to be able to jump right in. He has some familiarity here. He has some, some players that he already knows, obviously, in Hollywood and and Kyler, and that just adds, it just eases the transition. Um, anytime when players move from one city to the next, the first thing, you know, how am I being accepted? You know, what are the guys like? He already has touch points, so that's just going to streamline his ability to come in and be effective um, uh, more quickly. And so, again, I, I have no, he's not a guy where it's like, man, oof, oof, I won't be worried about him. I, I never worried about him. He just needs to go out, stay focused, stay locked in, and then obviously I think he'll be just fine as he continues to evolve as a, a pass blocker. You were, you were talking about Zoe um, run blocking and how he excels at run blocking. I just need a quick answer. Yes or no? Power scheme or zone scheme? Is he better in one or the other? I would say a power scheme if I had to pick one, but he okay. can do both. Okay, right. cool. That's, that's not bad for if giving up a fifth-round pick if you already can get that as soon as week one. When we come back, is the Michael Jordan effect the next step for Kyler Murray? We'll explain that next. The lowdown continues. It's the Wolf and Luke Show, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. 23 years in the National Football League, and I can tell you this. There is nobody that I admire and respect more than Lorenzo Alexander. He's one of those guys, he's like a lunch bell guy. That blue collar appeals are coming to work. He's going to outwork you every single play. 15-year NFL veteran Lorenzo Alexander joins Wolf and Luke to give us the lowdown on the Cardinals and the NFL. Yeah, Zoe is here, sticking around for the hour to talk some football. And I want to get into this clip right here from Devontae Adams. Wolf, it's funny, I saw the headline and I didn't think anything of it. I thought it was just a receiver kind of taking a shot at their former quarterback. You put the quote in your pre-show email and Maloney was able to pull it. So I'm just going to play it now because it's not at all what the original headline looked like. This is Devontae Adams from the Pivot podcast. He had the Michael Jordan effect as far as like, he going he gonna to make you play better. He going he to gonna bring out your best just by being on the field it's not even about like like he was a great leader but it was it was more so just about i'm out here with aaron Rodgers. like you would always notice in otas like you know every now and then a, a guy that's in his what 15th year at that point or whatever they get days off in ota so it'd be times where he wasn't practicing and you would just notice people start to like not not fall off not not practicing hard but it wasn't the same as when Aaron is out there. Like he, he, like you don't even think about it. You know what I'm saying? It's like somebody doing something versus, versus like with nobody watching them type thing. You, know, you obviously gonna run a little harder. Your coach watching you, so it was kind of that type of effect. And he, he made me a better player out of that because the consistency came from that. Yeah, the original headline made it look like Adams was saying like it's it's Rogers' fault that his rookie receivers haven't taken off yet in Green Bay. You hear the quote? It wasn't that at all. No, far from it. Yeah. So did you have you played with a lot of guys like that that have that impact? on their teammates just from being out there? Well, there's not a ton of guys that are in that realm. Uh, I mean, you have to play, I think, a significant amount of time. You have to be highly productive, right? And then you have to be engaging. And and it's hard to find that in all three and great players. Um, but a guy that comes to mind when I think about, you know, what, what – um, 
uh, Jones is talking about is in regard to Aaron Rodgers is London Fletcher. Mm. And so he was that guy to me. When you watch practice or you watch the game, and London never missed a game, but if he had to sit out of practice, you could see that, yeah, everybody was out there practicing, but the intensity level stepped down. I remember one time we was in practice, and I was a young guy, and I was playing a three technique. This is my big sexy days, and uh, we was, we was just, it was just practice. It was just practice, and the, they ran like some type of zone at me. I literally peeked my head into the A gap. I had the B gap, and to make a play, and the running back just uh-uh, did a jump cut, hit my gap, and was you know it was practice, but would have probably scored a you know a touchdown or had a significant big gain. London Fletcher just looked at me and said, "What you doing, Zoe?" And I felt so bad that I had let London down in practice that I, I just felt so bad. And so you don't feel like that when some some guys say something, man, do your thing over there, right? Yeah. But when people like that, you know, you talk about George, you talk about Brady, you talk about Aaron Rodgers, you talk about London Fletcher, and it's, it's guys like that sprinkled throughout the league where when you let them down, you feel a certain type of way. So yeah, you take your game to another level, and that that's and it's it's a real thing I, I don't and they those are I think transcendent and special players that allow or, or create that feeling in you to make you raise your game up to another level because you're out on the field with them yeah I would agree with that and it's one of the reasons why I think the quarterback position in the national football uh, the football league is unlike most positions uh, in any professional sport it is something that the quarterback can impact greatly your attitude there's an old saying that says when a legend steps into the huddle your head will snap up and when a backup steps into the huddle your head will snap up because you're looking at the backup quarterback like, dude, are you okay? Are you going to be all right? Because if you're all right, uh, we'll be okay. You know, that type of thing. And so you know how that goes. But, mm-hmm. you know, um, Peyton Manning, by way of example, was a guy that would step into the huddle and make guys around him better. Tom Brady uh, makes him better. I think great quarterbacks, I really do. I think great quarterbacks can make players around them better than they really are. Um, it's just a situation. And I I think this is the next step for Kyler Murray. That would be ideal, right? I mean, you, you what you're going into year four, like you yeah. said, so you have to have some experience. You can't just walk in as a rookie or maybe even a second year guy unless you're just amazing to get that. But yeah, I mean, that would be the goal for Kyler Murray. I don't, I don't know if you're Kyler Murray. How do you go about? trying to create that persona or is it just something that it's authentic it has to be authentically you you have to deliver it in your own way right and so even when you think about tom and aaron Rodgers and breeze and uh the mannings right it it, they all deliver they you you end up at the same place but the way they got there probably looked and felt differently because you have to be genuine to who you are as a person and so like kyler coming out and start screaming and being in everybody's face like we're gonna get this thing right it's not going to come across right because that's not who he is and so he has to figure out what that looks like in his own way right I think that's why him doing plays and having him call some of these games at the end is really going to be instrumental in him being able to come to be able to do that to really understand the the game as from a bird's eye view and then you can start talking to guys and and directing with you know through his own demeanor that I think is going to lead to guys playing better because he understands it better and so then he can make certain adjustments as his 
making you become even more open or run better routes or whatever. And then through that trust and that process, that's when guys start feeling like, man, I'm going, I'm going to run through the wall for this guy because he's so, he's so locked in. He's, he's helped me out. He's balling. Now let me take my game to another level because of all the work he's put into it. And to your point right there, Zoe, he did this against the Titans in the two minute team period. He did that very thing against the Titans in that two minute period where they worked against the Titans at the end of practice yesterday. He barked at some guys that were committing penalties mm. a couple of times. And then guys seemed to pick it up and really played well around him. Um, moving the ball down the field, but he, he's got to be careful when he barks at guys because you also can't whine at him when you're barking at them. You know what I right, mean? Right, right. You, you have to bark at dudes when they deserve it. Isn't right. that right, Tom Brady? <laughs> it is. But you can't be condescending. Right. You, 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 you can't plead with them when you bark at them. you got to bark and walk away. Right. Yeah, I would, I would completely agree with that. It's, it's all about how you say it, right? It's not what you yep. say. It's about how you deliver it. Yep. And that's when guys really receive it and hear it and, and then move forward and become impactful in the way they're playing and locked in. Hey, be mad, not sad, (laughs) right? Yeah, be mad. Yeah, guys, what are you doing? First, hey, get it together, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, don't be sad, mad. Yeah, be mad. Mm -hmm. So I think that was a different way of saying whining doesn't command a lot of respect. That's that's pretty much what I heard right there. Uh, You know, to your point, though, too, of of it doesn't always have to be a quarterback. You look at this team, and I'm obviously not there out there on the field, but I, I have to think J.J. Watt probably is. If he's not in that that stratosphere, right. he's close. Just because every young player you talk to that joins this team is like, I'm just excited to meet JJ Watt. Right, and that's obviously JJ has earned that. And I and I know you guys were talking about K, KD earlier, right? Getting paid like an alpha, but acts like a beta, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I want to make sure people understand because we all do this. Like the the quarterback and the and the highest paid player and your best players aren't always necessarily that those guys, right? Different guys identify themselves as becoming that, and it could be a, a, a great like a, a Matthew Slater, right? Great special team player. He is an excellent leader and can call guys out and make people around them raise their game. But he's not the highest paid player, and he's probably not deemed as the best player. And so, guys, I know there's some other guys on that roster that are are offering that up. It could be a Thompson, right? It could be a, a Buddha. Obviously, he's one of the better players. It could yeah. be, uh, I mean, it could be a, a Dennis Gardeck in the way he approaches it and goes about his business. And if he's interjecting himself in certain ways. And so I think J.J. is is that is that guy. But I think there's probably some other guys that we're not even thinking about that also yeah. has a significant impact. Those glue guys that we talk about, right? Not the most paid, not the, the, the best player, but it's something about them that people gravitate and also rise their game. And when they're not a part of an organization, uh, it's something's like, man, what is what is going on? And, uh, man, what's my man's name? Safety. Uh, that play here went out early, like 13-14, and the Cardinals end up letting him go, hey. Wolf. Who? Yeah, A Dub. Not A Dub. No, not After A-Dub. Rashad. Rashad. Yeah. Rashad. Right. Johnson, Rashad yeah. Johnson. He was that type of player. So guys yes. like that have a, a significant impact. And, and as this team evolves, it'd be great to see those type of guys kind of rise up too and, and seeing what they bring. It's funny before you said that. As just as you were talking, I was thinking like, hopefully, hopefully, whatever team, whatever sport, the GM knows that because the GM knows who the good players are, right? But the GM's not on the field all the yeah, time. Yeah, they try to balance that. It's hard, it's hard for them to balance that because yeah. like, oh, he doesn't really give me the value. I need. I know he's a glue guy. It, 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 it gets weird on the on the backside of of how that works out. Yeah.
Uh, text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Coming up next, we'll go through the latest news around the National Football League, including Tom Brady. He's actually probably going to play a preseason game. We'll talk about it with 15-year NFL vet Lorenzo Alexander. He will stick around next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. There is nobody that I admire and respect more than Lorenzo Alexander. He's one of those guys, he's like a lunch bell guy. A blue-collar pill to come into work. He's going to outwork you every single play. 15-year NFL veteran Lorenzo Alexander joins Wolf and Luke to give us the lowdown on the Cardinals and the NFL. Zoe's here as we go around the National Football League. Wolf is here as well. He's in Tennessee, but he's here uh, getting ready for the game on Saturday between the Cardinals and the Titans, the final preseason game for Arizona. Uh, so I want to start here, Zoe, because Wolf and I have been talking about this, you know, kind of this apprehension, or at least I'm starting to get it, that the Cardinals really aren't playing any of their starters or second string guys, a couple, but but not many. Right. And for me, it kicked in when I looked at the Chiefs last weekend, the team the Cardinals are going to play in week one, and they, they did play some of their guys. Now, mm-hmm. I get the risk one way or the other. If you play them out there, they might get hurt. And I, I understand all that. Uh, but then you get news like this today that Tom Brady, of all people, is going to start Saturday's game for the Buccaneers against the Colts. It doesn't make me feel great that even Tom Brady's like, yeah, I probably need a series or two just to get ready. And yet the Cardinals aren't really playing. They're not going to play anybody on, on Saturday. It doesn't sound like either. True. Um, and obviously Tom Brady's who Tom Brady is and he has all these accolades and we know everything that he's accomplished in his career and he's still but that's just how he's built. I think you have to, as a coaching staff and an organization, you have to figure out what's best for you based on you and your coaching staff and your players and what does that look like for us and you got to stick to it. You cannot base your decisions and what you do and respond off of what other teams decide to do with their that's players fair. and their organization. And so once you decide on that, then great. But over the course of, you know, your career or your your time running an organization, you have to be willing to make incremental changes if if the result isn't occurring that you wanted to happen, right? So I say that to say let's say again this year they fade in the second half. Maybe then next year, maybe you do want to give them a little bit. And, and I guess it's hard to say, and I, that's probably a bad example because they start so fast. Started fade, right? That's probably why nobody's playing. That's this probably year, right? why it doesn't really matter. But I guess my point is, is if something isn't happening that you want to happen, then you have to uh, reevaluate your process and make changes. And maybe you will look at other successful teams and see what they're doing that you may not be doing to then implement. But initially, like, okay, Tom Brady's doing that. We're, me, us, and Kyler, we're doing this. And that's what we think is best for our team, and then we move forward. But you do have to be willing to, to make some moves and, and be flexible. Yeah, for me, though, on, you know, I think it's it's an individual basis right now on this. I, I think coaches in today's NFL, I think they want the player to have an awful lot of input as to how much they want to play in the preseason if, in fact, they're a given to make the roster. If they're not, of course, that you better be getting as many reps as you possibly can if you're on the bubble right. uh, to go out and play. But uh, I, I think on an individual basis, it is where coaches now are approaching certain players and saying, How, what do you need to feel like you're ready to play? The preseason has changed so much, yeah. as you well know right now. you know, And uh, I think maybe Tom Brady, especially after missing 12 days, 
probably feels like he's got to go out there and get a little grease. I don't know. Right, yeah, and, and, and that makes sense. I also will say it can't be an individual basis, right, in, in, at least in my opinion, because if Kyler goes out there, Rodney Hudson, you need to be out there, and, and maybe while some of the other receivers need to be out there, who's going to be on opening day? Because then it's not, what am I What am I working on if yeah. I'm working with guys that are not going to be on the roster? So I know coaches go to certain players, and maybe as a higher, well, if Kyler just says he's playing, then all you guys are playing too. But Kyler doesn't want to play, so you are good. Now well, let's go to the individual basis. Hey, Rodney, you good? Hey, yeah. uh, receiver, you good? Yeah. Hey, tight end, you good? Uh, guard, you good? Right? You kind of go that way. I'm talking way. about quarterbacks, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, quarterbacks from an individual basis. Um, and, you know, some non, you know, I had a, when I got to year 14, 15, they let me decide how much I needed. But I was a Oh, guy. they did. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> oh, I was a quarterback. You, you know, they default. let me decide, you know. But, hey, you know, you know me, Well, if I was out there, I always felt like somebody was, I was uh, you know, a game away from being cut. So I was out there getting my 10 to 15 reps oh, and I moving see. on. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, some of us get that, you know, uh, on the back end of our careers. Uh, sticking with quarterbacks, the mystery surrounding Jimmy Garoppolo. Here's a couple clips from Kyle Shanahan. They asked him if they would cut him on the final day. I don't know what I'll do that day. <laughs> Probably decide when it comes. And then they also asked him if there's a scenario where he might be Trey Lance's backup. I mean, I think any scenario is possible. So Kyle Shanahan not giving us anything to work with, which is what he did last year, and that's, he doesn't have to. But there's also this, Adam Schefter saying the one team out there that kind of needs a quarterback, they're not interested in Jimmy Garoppolo either. I don't think they're looking at Jimmy Garoppolo right now as a viable option. They're certainly not going to trade for him, and I don't know that they would go ahead and consider him even if the 49ers were to release Garoppolo, which is no guarantee. I think the Seattle Seahawks are waiting for one of these guys to win the job. So... So where do you come out on Jimmy Garoppolo is like getting like phased out of the league? It feels like right here. Yeah, I mean the, the Niners are obviously not saying anything because they want somebody to trade for him. They don't want to let him go for nothing. So if nobody wants to trade and give them what they want for him, I see them keeping Jimmy G on the back burner and sitting him there. Why? Why wouldn't you? What is? I mean, Jimmy G. Maybe he he's going to create some inner chaos. May I don't see that on him. Maybe, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't know him personally. Um, and so, but because they may need. Him. Trey Lance is a more athletic quarterback, runs around. The, the chance of him getting hurt goes up. I think Kyle Shanahan will also kind of maybe reminisce back to RG3 when he also had a young quarterback that liked to be more athletic and run around and how he got hurt and Kirk Cousins came in and pretty much saved our season, allowed us to still go to the playoffs. Um, and, and we lost in the first round because uh, RG3 got hurt in the game again. And so to have a safety net that's, you know, I don't, their salary cap is probably fine because they could keep him if they wanted to. Yeah. Why wouldn't you keep a guy like that when you are a Super Bowl favorite where you're, you, your starting guy is not quite – you don't know what you're going to get. You may get this MVP caliber or you may get, oh, man, what did we do? And you always want to have that safety net, and you communicate that to, hey, it's, it's, this is your job to lose, uh, Zoe, Trey. So they didn't want him around in minicamp. They didn't want him on the sidelines. They didn't want Jimmy G standing there on the sidelines. Hey. For me, I'm looking at that like, hey, listen, they all know Jimmy G right now is probably the better option at quarterback than Trey Lance. 
Yeah, I, I think they all know that. I think the guys inside the locker room would be looking at Jimmy G, saying Jimmy G right now is more advanced. He's better than Trey Lance. Why are we playing? Why, why why are we playing Trey Lance and not Jimmy G? I, I, and I and I get that sentiment too. But we we both know at the end of the day, you better do your job and go out there and play and let the coaches handle that part of it because we're gonna keep. Obviously, they've made a decision, so. I've been in, and maybe that's a, yeah, a dysfunctional organization. Guys. I've been around organizations that are dysfunctional <laughs> and have had to operate within that and be just fine. So maybe I'm just the, the outlier well, here. Yeah, maybe you are the outlier since you got to pick in your 14 and 15 yeah, how many man, games you wanted to know. play, how many reps you wanted. But I'm playing in some dysfunctional stuff off. where we would have a guy that's better that's sitting on the bench and you're like, why? What are we doing? <laughs> Nobody wants the guy here, but we brought him in. All right, and and I and I. But, you know, I'm out there. I'm just going to play. Here's, here's what I think, too, guys. I think the Seattle Seahawks here, I think they have played this beautifully. They're like, oh, my goodness. We love Geno Smith and Drew Locke. We're so fine. It's not even – we're not going to trade for Jimmy G. We're not going to give you draft picks. We're not going to do that, right? I, I The Seattle Seahawks, I think, are sitting up there waiting for the 49ers to cut Jimmy G. I, I, just I, waiting for him to do that. My instinct but they're is making to it agree sound like you. there's no way. We don't, we're not even interested in Jimmy G. That's what Pete Carroll and John Schneider are they're going to do. The they're only gonna thing, make it seem like they're not even interested. The only thing with that is if they if they bring in Jimmy G, they're probably like a six or seven win team again, right? I, I don't and know. Here's the future. Yeah. It's, I'm very interested to see where well, he goes if they actually let him go. What are you talking go. about? If Seattle brings in Jimmy yeah. G? Yeah, they're going to win a significant more games, for yeah. more games with Jimmy G at the helm than than Geno Smith. Yeah, so right. then you're, you're just kind of there, but you're not winning a Super Bowl, right? So, and I know their play is for the future. Uh, all right, we'll get back into this later on when we come so back. So you're saying they're tanking? Is that what you're saying right it's there? Not tanking, just not uh, going all out. It's kind of sounds like games. you're saying they're tanking. Yeah, well, that, interesting. It'd be nice if they did. Uh, joint practices are they a good way to gauge where a team is at in? training camp. You're going to hear what Buda Baker had to say next and Lorenzo Alexander as well with the lowdown continuing. It's the Wolf and Luke Show, 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM Arizona's Sports Station. 23 years in the National Football League and I can tell you this. There is nobody that I admire and respect more than Lorenzo Alexander. Guys, he's like a lunch bell guy. That blue collar pills are coming to work. He's going to outwork you every single play. 15 year NFL veteran Lorenzo Alexander joins Wolf and Luke to give us the lowdown on the Cardinals and the NFL. Final segment with Zoe here, so we're going to make it count. We had the uh, the Cardinals joint practice with the Titans yesterday, and for all the questions about the Cardinals, most of which are, are focused on the defense, one of the guys that you know you feel good about is Buda Baker, and he spoke yesterday about just kind of gauging where his entire defensive group is. Yeah, that and, of course, going against our team, you know, we like to think our, our ones are, you know, really good um, in this league, so going against our ones, if we can do great against them I feel like we can do great against anybody and uh, you know today kind of showed you know we we competed you know got some picks today got our hands on the football and it was a it was a great day all right so Zoe, my, my question for you is this we had we talked to Max yesterday he somehow never even he avoided joint practices in right. your career did you have any of those you, you went through I had a 
Well, I've only had it twice. I had it really early in my career where every year we would go up to Baltimore when I was playing for Gibbs. And I forgot I forget the coach's name before Harbaugh, but I know he's a, he won a Super Bowl. Oh, uh, Billick, Brian Billick. B- yeah. Billick, right. So you had a strong, two strong head coaches there. And then with Sean McDermott, we went to the Panthers with Ron Rivera as the head coach. Another two strong coaches, and they both were familiar with one another. And so we have very productive, competitive practices, too. Um, and so I really, enjoy, I really enjoyed the process. Yeah, for me, I played 10 years, and four of those years, four of those years, man, practice against other teams. And you know, Zoe, especially in the era you played when you first came into the league, as the bridge, the ultimate bridge guy, which is so cool. But the first, the first time you came in and practice the intensity level uh, in that first joint practice I, I've never experienced anything like it. When you would break up in individual drills and you would do back on backers you would do blitz pickup let me tell you right oh, now yeah. the intensity level was through the roof. I'm talking about overtime Super Bowl intensity level because now all of a sudden you're practicing against somebody you really don't know whatsoever and all of his guys are standing behind him and all of your guys are standing behind you and they send the warrior out don't right, they right. And, you, and everybody is watching including the head coach who yeah. always came over to watch back on backers right and it's the anxiety of not being embarrassed right you, oh. you get beat a little bit but you because linebackers when you get in that drill you got to run it back the first thing I know all the running backs notice they can't cut so every <laughs> linebacker that lines up is about to try to run right through yes. your chest <laughs> so you better be ready right oh my goodness I, you can the linebackers right. know that too yeah, so right. they I know, know I you're know. hunkering down because the yeah. one thing you're not going to allow them to do is, run is to bowl you <laughs> right. to run over you so you're dug in yeah. and now sometimes they'll set you up the first time hit you right in the face and then the next time here comes the head button hands yeah. right around you right. ole ole and I, and I was actually you know as a running back I would always say I, I would you know if I played that I would rather get ole and ran over or physically moved backwards. So, you know, guys were always trying to miss that. And then, obviously, as a linebacker, you never wanted a back to block you or a tight end to block you and make you just stay at the line where you're not going anywhere, whether that's one-on-one pass rush or the the, the blitz pickup drill. When do you get, and I know it's not, I don't know for sure what you have in training camp and and certainly from one joint practice or even a preseason game, but, you know, from your experience playing, Zoe, like, is there a certain point where you were kind of like, okay, I know we've maybe got something here with this team, or you're like, we got some problems. We're going into the season. I don't feel good about it. Oh, yeah, you can tell. Yeah. I mean, I, I could always tell, get a sense of, you know, when we had a young quarterback or a quarterback was hitting on or if our offense, our defense was going to be really good. It's just the Christmas, the execution. Um, obviously, people are going to, you know, be able to get plays on you from time to time, but the majority of time are, are you guys playing at a high level, you can, you can see it. And when you've been around the league for a long time, you start to uh, pick up on indicators that lead to having a successful season offense, defense, or special teams. And so, um, you know, for example, in 2010, let's say, when I was still in Washington, you could see certain things there, and then maybe we had a good season, and then maybe four or five years later, I see those same things 
that's happening on our team, I said, oh, yeah, okay, I remember that. We're going to be pretty good again. And, you know, over time, you kind of get a good feel of what guys are going to do, what your team is going to do, and how productive or how successful your season is going to be. So, Zoe, I kind of see this as the future of the league. You know, if, in fact, you're going to eliminate another preseason game, and you know this kind of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, how do the players feel about those preseason games from a negotiating perspective, from a CBA perspective? Well, I think the biggest thing is guys feel like, well, you're not compensating me like a game, right? Like a real game. I'm not getting one-seventeenth of whatever my base salary is. You know, preseason is actually considered like a benefit. Fit. Yeah. Um, in a lot of ways, it's not included in your contract. And so that's why everybody, depending on what slot you fill in, you know, whether or not you're a rookie, you know, two to four or, or five or more, depends on what you w- make weekly and what you make for games. So guys are like, man, well, I'm going to go out there for X amount when I'm worth this amount and play a preseason game and potentially miss out on a whole entire season and not have an opportunity to play, play in the playoffs, right? Help my team right. win and then ultimately win a Super Bowl. So that's how a lot of guys look at it and that's why I think you even from an owner standpoint they don't really they can't sell those games because guys aren't playing in them so they're trying to windle them down as well that's a tough position though for the NFLPA to be in right the association to be in because you've got to weigh players that need an opportunity right. to show what it is they right. can do yeah, yeah. against guys who are like hey come on man this is just not working for me right and and, and I think I think because most GMs have a great idea of who is going to be on those teams, right? Yeah. So now that you're not going to play the starters, now as a, as a younger guy, I actually have more opportunity to get in there and play. I mean, because the way it used to be, I remember when I was a rookie 2005, I got three reps all preseason long. I couldn't get out on the field because they were getting ready, ramping up with that old school mindset as far as getting their guys ready to play a season, the starters. And right. I, I couldn't find anything. And so I think with that shift with guys not playing it actually does give you know a fifth six undrafted guys more opportunity because the starters aren't starting so you get you get your reps coming to you a lot quicker than they did right. back in you know 2005 six seven eight this isn't related to that but it just to, to make me feel better as we head into the season so with the questions at corner the cardinals have such good safeties with Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson. How much can that cover up? Like if Antonio Hamilton is hurt or if Marco Wilson is a little bit slower to take that next step? Um, It it, it helps. I mean, when you have great guys back there that can disguise, maybe make the quarterback think about what type of coverage they're in. Is it cover three? Is it single high? Is it, you know, man? Is it rover? You know, know, what what coverage are you doing? Your safeties dictate it a lot. Also tell you, obviously, you know, getting Marcus Golden back out there will help a lot. (laughs) as well. Right, that was one of the glue guys that I should have mentioned in that earlier segment as far as a leader and guy that takes makes other guys take a step up. And you can tell that even just watching him. Marcus is that guy. I was watching um, the last preseason game. I really like Dennis Gardeck. He had some real good pass rush moves off the edge making the quarterback move. I like some of the young D tackles. And so obviously it's complimentary. So you take your safeties, you take that front rush, and you can hide some of the deficiencies that you may have at corners. Not 
going to hide everything because you are out there on the island at times. <laughs> but it's definitely going to help those guys because it's going to speed the quarterback up, maybe not allow him to be as accurate. Then you can get your hands on some balls, maybe some tips and overthrows. Got to get those. That's kind of a defensive saying as far as interceptions. Uh, when you have guys up front that can push the pocket and make the, cu- the, the quarterback feel uncomfortable. So great stuff as always, man. We'll talk to you again in about a week. Always. Appreciate you guys. Right on, Zoe. Yes, sir. Uh, thanks to Zoe for sticking around for an hour, as he does every Thursday for the Lowdown. Coming up next, we're going to take you through the top sports stories of the day with Wolf and Down Your Lunch. It's the Wolf and Luke Show, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.